0: This is the EWN Podcast Network. Everybody wants to win. It's how we define success in life. Michelle Nagel explores resilience, teaches you happiness hacks, and provides tools for building positive relationships, all of which are essential for winning at the game of life. Join us to learn how to roar. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Roar to Win today. I'm your, I'm your host, Michelle Nagel, and today our, our guest is Carolyn Shadrach. Carolyn is a, was a successful fashion designer launching and building multi-million dollar brands whose career spanned London, Paris, and New York before exiting the rat race and settling in Madison, Wisconsin must be a big change. (laughs) Um, Carolyn shares her 20 years of experience as a design executive for iconic global retail companies on how to build a strong, profitable business. She's also a certified digital marketer and passionate high-performance coach. Carolyn is a client attraction mentor, speaker, number one best-selling author of The Client Attraction Code, and CEO of Core Story Branding. She specializes in working with coaches, consultants, and small business owners ready to jump off the income roller coaster and generate consistent, reliable, predictable income. She's fiercely committed to guiding her clients to clarifying their message so that they're confident and authentic in their mar- marketing and attract their ideal clients. So, thank you very much for joining us, Carolyn. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I'm glad to be here. And how are you today? doing great it's actually a beautiful day here in Wisconsin. So that must have been quite a change to go from uh you know the the glitz and glamour of New York and Paris and end up in Madison Wisconsin.
1: (laughs) I know it is in fact that's one of the first things that people always say to me if they see you know they see them from London or just even London to Madison they're like whoa you know. (laughs) uh, Strangely enough actually um Moving to Madison was one of the first probably conscious choices that I made in terms of lifestyle, because uh, when we had our two kids, we were both living in New York, my husband and myself. Um, And New York was like, we both love New York, but with two kids under three years old, it's like a, you know, it's it's a completely different ball game. And so moving out to Madison was really about, you know, having somewhere where it's kind of less stress, less um things that you have to deal with in fact it wasn't until I lived here for about a year I think that I realized that every time I actually left the door I'd kind of steal up like have this kind of subconscious armor that I'd put on <laughs> expecting to have to fight my way for the crowds and stuff but of course you I, well here you actually don't have that at all but I was still subconsciously doing that uh-huh. and so it's definitely completely different but we actually love it and my husband he's actually from big city too he's yeah. from Stockholm And it's completely different from how we actually grew up, but you know, it's, it's very, um, our kids can run out and play on the street and we don't have to worry
0: about it. And so that's why we love it being here. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you said it was a conscious choice.
1: Yes. Yes, it definitely was. And I can't say that it was, it, that I, um, it was something that I made without being pushed, I guess is what I say. Because so a lot of the people that I work with now, uh entrepreneurs and coaches, have changed careers and which is also my experience too. So my background is actually in corporate. And um what happened was in two thousand eight which if you remember was when the bottom dropped out. Remember that's when the whole the Lehman Brothers things happened. And uh, you know, everyone, I was living in New York at the time and that was like a real shock. It was really felt like the, you know, like the, the rug had been pulled underneath your feet, even though that wasn't directly my industry. But in 2008, um, I remember it was in November when in New York everyone, it was, there was one particular day in, in, in November in New York, everyone was, was happy and actually looking each other in the eye, which they never do in New York at all, <laughs> in fact, any city. Everyone just avoids looking at each other in the eye like a plague. Uh, but on this day, everyone was actually looking at each other in the eye and smiling because we had achieved something that we thought we could never achieve. And that was the first time that Obama had got into power. The very next day, I found myself at one o'clock in the afternoon on the subway on the D train, going back to Brooklyn to my home with all my worldly goods in a box because I, I, my position had been eliminated and i have been laid off Ooh. and I don't at that time I'd only back to work for I would say it was less than three months um, with my second child and so you know so I had two kids we'd actually bought a, a, a vacation house we had two houses too much debt <laughs> and um, you know and then and then suddenly I found myself with no job and I was actually the breadwinner at the time uh-huh. Um so I think that really was the first time when I started to think, okay, you know, I need to be able to do something else. So I could feel more empowered because that, you know, when you, when your identity is so kind of enrolled with your position and what you do. And when that happens, it's, it's like a real shock. I mean, I will say that one thing that happened actually coming out of that is that um, the company that I was working for at the time did have really great outsourcing, um, an outsourcing company that they worked with and I I actually got a coach that I worked with to help me to find a different position and from doing that work it really helped me to think completely differently about the value that I had as an employee and how I could position myself in terms of even just putting myself out in the market and I think doing that work kind of actually kind of got me thinking at the time even at that time about being um, more of an entrepreneur and being uh, having my own business but I never grew up with any role models of having my own business at all. In fact, um, actually, that's what I always used to tell people. Until recently, I actually realised that I did have a role model. However, my parents always frowned on it. And so I kind of just had, I'd had um, somehow disassociated it. One of my uncles was actually a a serial entrepreneur. So he had a series of different businesses. And like most entrepreneurs and most business owners, of course, several of them failed. (laughs) So my, my parents always had this kind of, Mm, hands-off relationship with him like like he was like one of the bad boys you didn't want to do what he was doing He was doing something kind of dodgy you know he was just actually just running you know legitimate businesses but you know that I think was what I had absorbed about kind of going out and not doing your nine-to-five not doing a nine-to-five job
0: yeah and like so, there was something shady or underhand exactly. about being an yeah. entrepreneur yeah. yes That's and uh, So, yeah, so I never
1: really kind of saw that there were any other choices apart from doing a nine to five job, you know, like I know like now, kind of looking back, I realized that, um, if I'd been listening to my body, even when I went started working in corporate, like within the first year I had, um, shingles and this is in my twenties and you know, I just kind of suited up and and carried on (laughs) by 20 years later, by the time I actually did leave corporate, um, by this time, I could hardly even walk half a block down the road without getting out of breath. And after lots of tests with the regular doctors, it turned out that I had developed asthma, uh-huh. and it was from the stress. You know, it's from the stress and being in that kind of toxic situation with all the politics and everything. And I just didn't have the—I didn't have anything to kind of cope with that situation. And I, I also didn't realize that I could ask for help. Mm-hmm. I mean, now, you know, hindsight being twenty-twenty. <laughs> You know what I mean? So I think that asking for help has been one of those things that has been difficult for me in the past because I actually have been so self-reliant. That's just how I grew up to kind of depend on, on myself being able to kind of fix and do everything.
0: Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And that's amazing. Um, Did you find that the industry that you were in being the fashion designer industry was almost like kind of a cutthroat environment? I used to be a model.
1: Oh, really? How
0: did you know that. And so... The things that were sent to me by somebody who maybe was a couple of years younger than I was, that mm. was how I was over the hill or, um, you know, they would pick apart every aspect of my body. Well, so say, nice. when you're designing, they're going to pick apart every aspect of your design as well. Well, y- yes. It, well, you know, it actually wasn't so much the design, but it was
1: definitely a cut approach environment. And it was very superficial is what i would say you know I mean? so i don't know if you've ever watched that uh, the movie called um the devil wears prada with Meryl. yes <laughs> uh, you no know, i mean people did get fired for wearing the, the wrong shoes i mean this is not, i mean it's crazy wow. and so and it was definitely i remember the first job that i had in corporate um you know the the vp that i worked with definitely kind of set the tone within the area that we worked in so you never knew what you were going to come into because she was she was she was a fireball, very highly strung. Sometimes you would be like sweetness and light and other times you would be like, Pff! and you'd be like, Oh my God, how is she going to be today? And so just that stress alone of not knowing what your work situation was going to be like, if she was going to have a go at you or if you're going to be fine, you know what I mean? So all of that was, there was just a lot of stress all the time and a lot of politics as well. You know, I actually spoke to one of the people that I used to work with in corporate reached out to me just recently and she was one of my assistants from um, when I was working in, in corporate back in the day. And um, we, she had seen what I'd been doing recently, she, she, she reached out to me, and uh, she said that she'd been recently diagnosed with um, depression.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, she was coping with that, and she'd been, she's working with a therapist, and she had seen um, they had put on medication. And she just reminded me that I realized that a lot of the people that I worked with at that time and I actually didn't realize this at the time it was afterwards that most of them were actually on, had been on some sort of, you know, perhaps Prozac or, um, not Prozac. Oh my God. I don't even know. <laughs> antidepressants. They've been on antidepressants, but for a long time, I'm talking like 15, you know, 10, 15 years. Wow. So long that they probably don't even know what it's like to be off of the antidepressants. Yeah. And for most of the, the people, that was how they coped with it with the people at my level. And for me, it's one of the things which actually just wouldn't even cross my mind to do. And it's probably more to do with my upbringing than anything that I can say about myself. (laughs) And I say that because even if I have a headache, I don't think about reaching out to get a pill. Uh I just think, okay, well, why is what's causing this? And what is the problem? Do you know what I mean? Um, And so I can't say that it was because I was deadly against antidepressants. that I didn't didn't use them. It's just that wouldn't even occur to me to do it. But you know, one of the things that I do love about what I do now, is that I help um, a lot of the, my clients that I work with are in the wellness area, and they help people to get to the root cause of the problem as yeah. opposed to just masking the problem.
0: Yes, wonderful. So how long did it take you before you were able to identify that your body was jumping up and down and trying to get your attention? 20 years. <laughs> okay, okay.
1: It's, you know, I mean, you know, it's always literally hindsight. Like, I think every year something would happen to me and I would break down, like I would come out in eczema, You know, I had the shingles, I had the the asthma. Um, My body was screaming at me to kind of get out. And I was just, I was just packing up and going on. And and interestingly enough, so I wasn't actually taking anything for these things either, you know, because that like wasn't in my, it wasn't in my consciousness to do that. But I would still carry on and just think that there must be something wrong with me that I wasn't able to cope with these
0: things. Right. I see. I understand. Uh, So, um, so when you finally decided that it was time to leave that environment, did your body respond fairly quickly to the lack of stress?
1: No, that's a good question. So what happened was actually literally in the last month or so before I, I, I got out of corporate. And and again, you know, I can't say that I, I went out of corporate voluntarily. What happened was I actually was laid off. This is the second time. Um, and now I'm in Wisconsin in the middle of nowhere. You know, there's not like there was a, a lot of... <laughs> other opportunities and so the, the the question for me at that time because I was still the breadwinner was okay do I uproot the family again and go through this thing again and I knew that the industry itself was going through a period where they weren't really coping with the, the new reality which is that customers have more choice you know so that you know, in terms of the internet, there were people more buying on the internet. They have wanted to have um, brands that really spoke to them as opposed to having that kind of big brand loyalty that was, you know, probably like 30 years ago that people had. Uh-huh. And so once I got myself out of this, so before I got myself out of this situation, someone had introduced to me to meditation. Okay. She's a freelancer that was working with us. She introduced me to meditation. And it happened to be through Mind Valley, which I'm not sure if you know, you're familiar with Mind Valley. It's um an online platform by yeah by Vision Lakami. Yes. Um, and so Vision is very passionate about self-development. And so once I got into this to the to the meditation, I started consuming all of his pieces as well, like I bought all, all of his different products. Uh, and all of this was like mind-blown to me because I had never even I'd never heard of this stuff before. I, I just I didn't like so it's literally like the clouds had lifted. Um and then eventually what had happened is that I made my way to a a life coach. And it's Uh one started working with a life coach that it was really transformational in terms of how I felt about myself and my situation in the world in as much as that I could. I was empowered to create my own reality. It wasn't that. It wasn't things that have happening to me. And so it was once I started working with a life coach that things really kind of changed rapidly. And... And during that time, I was doing the meditation and started going back into Tai Chi, which I'd done years back in London
0: uh-huh.
1: um, and just, you know, changing my lifestyle. So I, I would say relative to how long I had been like under that stress, it was about six months, three to six months.
0: Okay. Well, so, time. well it took you 20 years to get in that mess. So six months is really actually not a bad timeline. Okay. So, <laughs> Yeah. So, so tell me what it is that you do for clients and why does what you do make a difference for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I, I I do for my clients is, is,
1: um, is really help them to identify who their clients are, to get really clear on who their clients are so that they can be more effective with their lead generation so that they can really start to attract the clients that they love. And so one of the things that I did like during my life in corporate working in um, with these you know, our kind of iconic bigger brands was to hone down on their customer base, like who their customers were. And so we really had to think about, before you actually even design any product, you had to think about who's the customer? What does she want? What does she desire? What, does she, what is she not even, um, what is she even too afraid to say that she wants, but she actually wants it, right? And um, you know, what is the ultimate lifestyle that she wants to live? And so it's from that perspective that you would design anything. And so all of that information, like you have to know, you know, her influences, what's going on in the world, what movies is she seeing, who is she listening to? All of those things influence the things that you bring to the table. And with the clients that I work with, it's the same thing. You know, if you're a coach or a consultant, you have to, be know, you have to know about your client's world. And I think a a lot of um, people before they start working with me, they start, they think of their products or their services abstractly from whoever they're going to give it to. In fact, actually most people find it really difficult to hone in on a niche, like, you know, because I I work with a lot of people in the wellness area and potentially their stuff could work for everyone, like they could help
0: everyone, right? Yes. And so... To them, it's yes, really want to hold on to that, too. Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah. I don't want to make it smaller because then I won't have any clients. Right. Well, exactly. Go if you've, got no clients. Yeah, if you've got no clients. Yeah. You've got like, oh, no clients. You know, I'll
1: take anyone. I don't, you know, I don't care who they are. I just, I was just take anyone. I can help anyone. Yes. Right. Um, but the problem is that happens is that, it, you know, if you try to do some outreach and really kind of reach people and talk to them, if you are not really speaking in the language and in the issues that they are having, that they're having, they're particularly having, it means that they just don't hear it. I mean, they literally don't hear it. I, when, I, when I think about this, I'm, I'm reminded of when I used to work for Gap as one of the, the companies that I worked for. Okay. And so Gap owns, they, have, they also own Banana Republic mm-hmm. and they also own Old, Old Navy. Now, if you look at their actual products, you know, there's not really much that difference between them, but the price points are completely different. You know, yes. the banana, which is very high old Navy, which is all about being value and being very kind of low pricing gap is somewhere in the middle. But I know on the backside, that some, some of the actual uh, raw materials that they use are exactly the same, but they're, they're having that different price points. Right?
0: right.
1: And the people who goes to shop at those, now it might be different now, like right, the whole shopping thing has, has changed. But for me, because I came from London originally, like I didn't grow up with these brands, right? Right. And so for me, like, I was saying, why, you know, how come the people at Banana just don't come up over to Gap and just get it cheaper? You know what I mean? Or or, or the other, <laughs> like it just didn't make any sense to me. And what happens is people have their, they have their places that they shop and they, it's like blinders. They don't even see the other places. You know what I mean? They're, they're like on a, they're on a railroad track to see it. And it's the same thing with, you know, as a coach, if you're trying to, get yourself out there and trying to get your voice heard. You have to tap into people's story. Otherwise they, they just not even want to see it. They're not going to hear it. And that tends to be what happens when people don't really kind of lock into a niche. So what I help people do is really kind of clarify their message and then to get out there, um, to build a story and build that customer journey of where the customer is and kind of take them on a the journey so that, that it, it, builds trust and relationship along the way. Uh Um, and so that they become the answer, the solution to the, to the the problems of their ideal clients.
0: Okay. So do you have a specific type of coaching that you use?
1: Um, hmm. you know, that's actually a good question. Um, because, you know, technically, so, you know, one of the things that I did once I got out of corporate, because of the, the, it was so transformational for me working for life coach that I did actually become certified as a life coach. And so I think that I, um, when I work with people, I really what I, what they tell me actually is that I really listen to them right? I listen to where they are which I, I think sometimes when people work with people uh, other coaches they may have the, the the perspective that okay this is the way that we're going to do it this is going to work for you you just have to do this I actually tend to listen to people and adapt you know because everyone has different situations right they also have different things in terms of their own values and what they're aligned with and what I recognize is that unless you are really aligned with whatever it is that you're trying to promote or sell or provide for people you just actually won't do the stuff you know what i mean you just do the work you'll find any sort of excuse not to do it and a lot of it's subconscious right but you won't do it if you're not aligned and so i do actually help people to, to identify what their values are and to listen to that and to adapt their marketing accordingly
0: there's a, a phrase that I have actually t- taped to my computer. It says, listen to people from their inside out, as opposed to my intellectual understanding in. And that sounds, that sounds like what you're describing. Yes. Um, so what are the biggest mistakes businesses make with their client generation?
1: Mm.
0: So I think
1: that one of the biggest, one of, one of the biggest mistakes that I really do see is, is the niche thing, which you talked about, right? That people just not hone in enough in that niche. But once you, know once you've got past that then the other thing that i see is that people also kind of devalue their own story of how they got to um their own story and journey of how they got to to be doing what they're doing because at the end of the day most people want to have connection right Mm -hmm. so we're all so disconnected at this point you know 2018 that everyone's looking for connection and when you can actually use your story and tell your story in a way that really resonates with your ideal clients, that in itself kind of builds a connection, it's a much stronger connection than just the surface level. And But what I see is that most people, when they come to me, they're like, well, you know, I don't really have a story. You know, it's just you know, it's kind of, that's what they think of their story because they haven't really kind of pulled it out. And it's always actually, it's, it's hard to see your own story from uh, with any kind of distance. You know, it's hard to see how that can be inspirational to, to anybody. And I'll give you a, a for example, there was, um, there was a guy that was in, in one of the masterminds that I was in, and he had a program that helped um, teenagers to be able to study in a, a way that was more effective so that they could prepare themselves for college. Um, and we've been doing the course for a while. It was very, it was very successful, but he was, he, when I talked to him, he said that he he always felt that he was he had this story that would undermine everything. And his story basically was that he had struggled in school himself and he'd managed to get himself to college, but he had dropped out of college. So he would he technically hadn't graduated in college. So he felt like a fraud oh, yes. in this course. And he felt like someone's gonna find it out about, you know, find out about this thing. So he had this weight on top of him that like you couldn't tell this story that someone might find out. And I, I saw it completely different, as you probably do, do too. Right? Yeah. But it's so inspirational for parents to think, well, you know, my kid is struggling, but here's this guy, he used to struggle too. And now he's helping all these other kids. That's amazing. Do you know what I mean? And so... Because he had a lot of us. Their yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. With A lot of us, we can't see it, see it the other way around because we've gone through it and it was such a struggle during the time. And so you really have to kind of step back and sometimes it just takes somebody else to see that for you um, to see how that can actually help you to attract the clients that you actually want. You know, so that's, that's definitely one of the things that I see. And then the other thing is that, um, the third thing, you know, right now, video is really powerful in terms of being able to use uh, the service to get your message out. And what I see is a couple of things, and then on both ends of the spectrum, what one that I see is some people just being on social media all the time. Do lots of different uh, videos and things but then when i speak to them like okay what is that how is that how are you monetizing that I say, are you actually getting get clients from that they're not really sure exactly how they're supposed to do it and then on the other side i see other people who feel very guilty that they're not getting on social media they're not doing videos that they, they see these little people doing them but they don't know where to start and most of the time and i you know i count myself in this too is because we we're becoming perfectionists, or somewhere along that perfection perfectionist uh, I don't know, that. <laughs> But oh, the background isn't great, or I have to wear make. I don't have any hair and makeup on. Or I haven't got the right thing to wear, or but you know, I need the equipment. Or... There's one person that I um, love actually. Who, her philosophy on on doing video is that all you need is to have is your phone, your mouth, and your arm. No makeup. She gets no makeup. No hair. And to speak, because at the end of the day, it's really about getting your message out and connecting to clients. And when you do that, and that's what I help my clients to do, is to just be able to get your message out and just speak. That's just, the message itself is just so powerful that you don't have to worry about all the other stuff. So, yeah, in fact, and and interestingly enough right now, in terms of what's trending, you will see quote-unquote gurus who have like multi-million dollar studios in terms of camera equipment and all that kind of stuff but because people again are searching for connection and authenticity they will film their videos with just an iphone yes so anyone can do it you can get it you know just get over your stuff and really just get your message out
0: okay well that's really an excellent point because i think i'm maybe i'm a Recovering perfectionist, but I don't think I'm recovering very quickly Because <laughs> I do find it's like, you know, oh I I said um too many times or or oh I You know, I have a zit on my cheek today I can't well, no, What's interesting is that uh, And this is really difficult to get your head around
1: and, and even I struggle with it. It's not like I'm I'm perfect in being imperfect <laughs> um, The more vulnerable you can be on camera in doing Facebook lives or, you know, doing your video. And and this is, I want to qualify this, but I'm just going to talk about this bit first. The more vulnerable that you can be, the more authentic you can be. And and just say, listen, you know, this is really difficult for me, like getting on camera, but I really wanted to get this message out to you. That people really appreciate. They think, oh, I mean, she's a real person, do you know what I mean? Like things aren't perfect, your kids run in, and you say, look, I'm sorry, my kids are running in right now, but you know, I, I wanted to get this thing out to you. Then it makes you feel, it makes the connection actually more authentic, right? And they feel like you're a real person as opposed to you being perfect all the time and they're like, oh, well, she can do it, but you know, that isn't my life. Like, I wouldn't be able to do that type of thing. Do you understand
0: what I mean? And oh, so yes. it's that unapproachable, approachable, unapproachable because. Exactly exactly it's, yes we know all the gurus that have you know the, the green screen behind them and you know everything is perfect and they've got assistance everywhere and you know all they have to do is just look at somebody and something materializes in oh. front of them and 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 that's where we want to be someday when we grow up and get big but that's not where we are right now that's it, so exactly. yeah,
1: um, yeah. and so you know that and that's not to say that all your videos want to be all your videos want to be on your iPhone because you know, there is a, uh, there is an argument for positioning yourself as an authority. And you may want to have like a brand video or something where you kind of show your story in a very professional way so that you can, you know, be seen as an, as an authority. But it's kind of like, when you think about um, like if you, if someone can't up to you and said, listen, I've got some tickets to go and see Oprah. Do you want to come? You're like, Okay, yeah, I'm coming. Even if you don't even like Oprah, you would come right. just because you want to see the experience because, because she is a thing, right? Yes. And so when you think about it, um, same person winds up and say, hey, listen, do you want to come and see this, this guy on stage? Got, he's talking about um, something. You're like, what? What are you talking about? What is he going to talk about? You know, you'd like you have all of these different qualifiers and it's the same type of thing. If you have like a couple of professional videos where people can see that you are not just... Oh my God, I, d- I kind of dug myself into a hole now. <laughs> 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 so people can see that you're someone to talk to, right? You just want to have a couple to set the level of the tone. It's like, if you're going on to LinkedIn, you're not going to be there in your sweats all the time. However, right. you can set yourself up as being a professional, but then you show behind the scenes. Now it's a different story because you're like, oh, that guy's, you know, that guy's really cool. He's a professional. But now I'm seeing behind the scenes, this is even better than before. And that's how you want to kind of use your, your, the video in terms of the strategy. Do you, does
0: that make sense? That was well done. You, you got <laughs> yourself out of that hole really well. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to have everybody showing up with, you know, their, their hair mess on and their sweats on. So, yeah, um, I, I do appreciate that, you know, that you mentioned that we show up as a professional and then after we have established ourselves if I'm if I've got this correctly after we've established ourselves as professionals as somebody as the go-to person then it's okay to let people see that we have a life back there too yeah Yeah. exactly exactly wonderful so we're going to take a short break and then we will be back our guest is Carolyn Shadrach and this is Roar to Win we'll see you in a few minutes Welcome back. This is Michelle Nagel at Roar to Win. We are so excited today to have as our podcast guest, Carolyn Shadrach, who's a former former fashion designer who now helps um, individuals become just the best that they can be in their businesses. She's a high-performance coach, and her company is Core Story Branding, so she is a branding expert, is very, very good at what she does, and she's given us some really excellent tips so far. So, um, Carolyn, what are the three most important things you can share with the audience that will help them have an extraordinary bl- brand, something that their clients will love?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think I think one of the most important things for people to find is to find what differentiates them in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And often, you know, when you're looking for that, I think some people think, oh, you know, I'm not really sure or they get they kind of flustered or think that they they're just ordinary. They can't find anything. And often it's, it's in their story um, that they'll find something that makes them unique in terms of the way that they work. Because as you said, I think you mentioned before, each of us actually brings different things to the table when we, you know, when we are doing our work. And so, you know, you might have 10 different coaches, but how people coach is different. And a lot of that has to do with the experiences that you've had in the past, um, you know, how, how you have gone through life. And so when you can tell that story, um, that really helps people to kind of connect connect to you because they'll, or not actually, in fact, actually, you know, and some people get afraid with this. They'll think, well, I can't really, they, they don't want to take a stand on anything. And I think that's one of the important things that people really need to do if they really want to have a, a business that can grow exponentially is is to take a stand and, and realise that you can't carry everybody. You can't, you literally can't please everybody at the same time. You know what I mean? So, But what tends to happen is is that you know, like if you do something and you have like twenty different people saying, "Oh my god, that's amazing! Thank you so much! You know, this is so helpful and I'm so grateful." And worse, one person pipes up and says something to the contrary. Those are the things. That's the person that you can concentrate on. You know what I mean? That like, and people get really kind of. um, And we all do that. Nobody wants to be rejected, right? Right. Um, but if you can just realize that you can't take everyone, that you just want to work with the your ideal clients, that's one of the important things, I think, in terms of being able to, to really grow your brand.
0: Does that yes. make sense? Uh, yeah. It makes perfect sense because, um, you know, there's how many billion people on the planet and we're only one person. So yes. uh, there are going to be people that that I resonate with or that resonate with me that aren't going to resonate with somebody else. It's like, I was talking to somebody the other day and, and, um, and she said something and I said, I I guess I was a little pointed in my remarks. Um, and she said, wow, I feel like I've just been spanked and and I'm going, Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) And because that was not my intention. And she said, thank you. I actually needed that. Right. And so it turned it out. It turned out to be a really good thing for her, and she still likes me. Still, <laughs> so to me. Uh, and so there are people who we work with better than others. There are coaches that will say, um, "Let me show you how to do it," and there are people who will line up for that all day long. And then there are other people who will say, "Let me help you figure out how to do it." Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. completely different. So of those two ones do you do most do you think um i think that i tend to
1: be um i think i took let me do it let me do it with you is what what i tend to be um and so you know i think i I show people how to do it but then i also guide guide them as as they're doing it that makes sense i mean i literally will do video because this is how you do it but then they'll still have questions, and then so I'll actually literally walk through the walk them through doing it, and and I think that's because you know as I said before, I think that for me, one of the things that I really found difficult as an entrepreneur is to ask for help. Yes, it just didn't actually come natural to me at all. You know, I I, I was I think that uh, you know for my parents, they've always kind of instilled in us this idea of of self reliance. Um, you know, my parents moved to UK from the West Indies in their twenties, early twenties, in the nineteen fifties, I think it was. Okay, not good on maths. <laughs> 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 my father was from Antigua, my mum was from Trinidad, and when they moved there, you know, they went there with the expectation of England being the mother country. That you mm-hmm. know, because they had learnt all about England and the UK in their schools, because at that time it was part of the Commonwealth, right? What they once they, have, once they moved over, however, they found a very kind of hostile environment, you know, they would see signs that said, you know, no Irish, no blacks, no dogs. And so they had to rely on their own community to be able to, um, to support themselves, you know, and, and to, just, to just be able to, to survive, right? And so the house that I grew up in, which my mum, she still lives in the same house, um, but when they first moved in there, they, there were five families in that house. You know, so the, the room that I grew up in that had a, had a family, which I can't even imagine what that was like. You know, the time I grew up, that, that had changed, but that that um, idea of just being able to fix things yourself, to be able to, to depend on yourself, was something that I think was instilled in me. And it actually, you know, it had its good and its bad. I can't say that it was all good because what it meant was that I would struggle longer in things and not ask for help because I felt that I should be able to figure these things out. Right. you know the health thing being one of those things but also as an entrepreneur i i can't figure things out myself so i don't know everything even like i've spent thousands of dollars like a lot of your well, listeners probably on on different courses and mentors and masterminds and stuff but at the end of the day what really made the difference for me is when i had someone who worked one on one with me and just held my hand to take me through the stuff because even when I had everything in front of me, like I just wasn't sure because it's not something that I'd done in the past. You know what I mean? And and I think a lot of people really kind of appreciate that help. You know, and even with little things, I remember being in corporate, um, most of the communication that I had to do to get things produced in terms of production would be with um, factories that were out in Asia. Okay. So they didn't speak English. It wasn't their, it wasn't their language. And so I remember the first time I I would, would be writing the specifications and, you know, I had everything like on the computer, but then I had to, I had to literally do some hand notes on, on an actual garment to tell them what to do. And, and I was like, the first time I did it, I was, I was, you know, and literally I was kind of procrastinating for half an hour, like, are they gonna understand my language? Do I need to do it in, can I do cursive? Like what, you know, all of these different questions were coming up in my head. And luckily there was a technician she came along and she said, no, you just do it like this. And she did it. I was like, oh, okay. Now I know how to <laughs> by the time I left I could do this thing in two seconds I didn't even think about it but you know what I find is that with a lot of entrepreneurs they get stopped because of little things like that yes. that you just can get so if you've never done it before you know if you've never done like a Facebook ad before if you've never done put a pixel on before you know all of these different things there's so many different steps that you can do that can stop you until you have someone just can hold your hand be there to support you and just have your back and you know they've done it before And
0: that just makes a huge amount of difference in terms of how you can grow. Absolutely. I find that in many of the programs that I've experienced, um, when they'll say, it's like they use jargon even that I don't understand. And uh, if I ask them how to like walk me through this or whatever, it's kind of like, oh, just follow the directions. And that's not how I learn. I actually learn by having somebody show me, just show me how to do it. And then, I can do it from then on it's not a problem and so we all have different learning strategies so it sounds like with your clients you actually show them how to do the things that you suggest they do
1: yes yes exactly and it's true it's 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 interesting that you talked about that point about jargon as well because that is something that is just so easy to slip into actually this is funny story i don't think i've ever told this before but when i the first time when i worked in corporate the first corporate job that i had i remember being in the meeting on like the second day or something And uh, it was like they were talking a different language. I had no idea what they were talking about because everything was in acronyms. And at that time, in the UK, in England, in London, people didn't use acronyms for anything. I'm talking about, I didn't know what FYI meant, (laughs) or LOL or BTW, I didn't know anything. But every every other word was an acronym. And so in this meeting, they said, okay, we're gonna have to have a delivery, we're gonna need it by... Okay, so the meeting was at nine o'clock in the morning. And they said, okay, we're going to have to have a delivery by 9, 10. And so, you know, I'm looking at my, i 9, 10, like it's nine o'clock right now. How is this going to happen? You know, I, I couldn't understand what they were talking about. 9, 10, of course, actually meant the date, which is different in the UK. We don't say it that way around. Okay. So, you know, so it took me ages to, and it's, it's something which they probably weren't even conscious of, right? It's something which I, before I'd been in that meeting, I wouldn't know how to, to ask because i've never experienced anything like that before and i think it's exactly what you're saying is that you know as um business owners we have to learn all these different things which are not our language at all and so if you, and so that becomes really difficult when you buy into a course and and the the person who's leading the course starts to use all these these jargons and also the other way around you know like as a business owner when you're talking about what your expertise is you have to be very careful not to slip into that jargon yourself when you're trying to attract clients who may not be on that level. You know, they haven't, they don't know, they're they're not, they're definitely not where you are. Right. Even those steps in between, they may not know. And so you have to really be aware of where your clients are when you're you're within your marketing so that you can speak to the language and at the level of where they are.
0: Absolutely. Yes. And I appreciate that you have mentioned that because... (laughs) Uh, I just think about all those acronyms that you were naming. Um, there are some of them, like, have shown up on my children's phone, and I think, mm. what does that mean? Is that something I need to be worried about?
1: <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I <laughs> think my little one, um, she's 10 years old, she goes, oh, oh BTW, mum. I'm like, BTW? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, and actually if you think about it it's not that much faster than saying by no the way. it's not that's a crazy thing right? Like, you could just you actually just say the words <laughs> yes exactly um so you have uh generously offered our listeners a free copy of your number one best-selling book can you tell us about that please
1: Yes, the book is called um, The Client Attraction Code. And so in the book, it actually goes into a lot of the things that we kind of have um, delved into here on the talk. And so we go, I go a little bit deeper in the book itself. And one of the reasons that I wrote the book actually is because what I found is, you know, like we've talked about all these various different courses. Um, the book itself is, is to help people get the foundation that they need to be successful in any course, because without that thing that we talked about in terms of being able to position yourself as an authority in the market, you know, like that, that thing that we talked about with Oprah, you know, yeah. kind of nothing as opposed to the other guy. Um, so the, the book is really going to help you to, what is it that you need to do to be able to kind of position yourself as somebody who stands out in the market. And so I go deep into, to those things into the book. So whatever you're doing, um, that's really where you need to have the, the foundation in your business. Mm-hmm. and you know once you can be successful within that whatever you do whatever system you use becomes much more effective and that's one of, one of the things that I found with, you know like i as I said bought hundreds and you know spent thousands of dollars in courses and what was always fascinating to me there'd be some people who could take the course and they would be having like you know tremendous success and there would be you know but that would be like two percent or more the people would be struggling even to just kind of get through the materials and some people would do the stuff But they still weren't seeing the results and the missing piece really is about being able to have an established attractive character if you will And that was like the fire that set everything else in, in motion because you can have the system but if you know if nobody actually is kind of interested in what you have to offer within the system because they're not interested in you, then it doesn't work. And so this book will really help people out in terms of being able to establish themselves as an authority and stand out in the market.
0: Wonderful. So where would people be able to go to get that?
1: So if they go to www.theclientattractioncode.com and they'll be able to get that and they can actually get the book for free.
0: Okay. That's, that's a very generous offer. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So do you have any final words for our listeners that you would like them to know about? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, I think that's, um, you know, one of the things that we talked about uh, before is that right now, if you are a coach and you're trying to reach your clients and you have a message that you think is that, you know, is important, right? Don't be afraid to get your message out there is, is one of the things that I would say. And you know, try, Get yourself on video (laughs) you know because it will really make a difference and i think with video it really can um be something that closes that timeline in terms of that no no like and trust factor right that that connection and don't let perfectionism stop you just do it okay
0: Okay, wonderful (laughs) <laughs> uh, I appreciate you coming to um, join and speak with us today. Carolyn, thank you so much. So this is, um, this has been women who roar Win, and we are talking with Carolyn Chadrach, and she's given us again that um, her, her address is www.theclientattractioncode.com for a free copy of her book. And um, I really appreciate you've given us like some golden gems today. And I really do appreciate all of the expertise that you have so generously given to our listeners. So,
1: thank thank you. You much. Thank you. so take care.
0: Thank you for joining us today as we learn happiness hacks, relationship tools, how to refuel our resilience batteries, and perfect our roar. Resilience, optimism, accountability, and resourcefulness. Roar to win. I'm Sandra Yancey. CEO and founder of eWomen Network. We invite you to listen to all of our EWN podcast hosts at EWNPodcastNetwork.com. This is the EWN Podcast Network.